I, don't, I wouldn't have never imagined that. That Brad, there's a cup of coffee under that there. I'm just scared somebody kicks it over. I would have never imagined how much you get to love your congregation members. It's just something that blows my mind. I, I didn't ever thought that's, you know, Fani always said, you got to love, you got to love, you got to love. It's like, there's such a love in my heart for the congregation members that I find myself praying for people. I find myself thinking of people. I find myself wondering how people are. Um, you know, and, and when something like that, that happened to Avis over the week, it just, my heart just broke. You know, it's like, so Avis fell and she broke her arm. And there's nothing I can do, but just convey, you know, because it's something that's in your heart. You love the people. So I just want to tell you, that's the highlight of my week, seeing you guys, because I love you so much. We, we are in Matthew, if you can open your Bibles in Matthew 16. And I'm titling this message, you've got to be a loser. Okay? You have to be a loser. You've got to be a loser. Loser. So when I look for images on loser, that's all you get now. <laughs> so you've got to be a loser. Let's read this together. Matthew 16, and we're starting in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciple, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or, for, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Surely I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And Jesus again refers to himself as the Son of Man. He's over and over using Daniel 7 verse 4, the Son of Man. He's over and over saying, I have got authority. I have got dominion. He's saying that I am God over and the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man. So when he's saying that and repeatedly saying it and he's emphasizing it, it's so that we can get it. Okay, We need to get it. Fani always uses the word, this educated idiot box needs to get this. That he is superior to us. Amen. Okay. So, if Jesus then sets a certain example being superior to us, then we ought to follow in those same steps. There are two reasons where, why we have to lay down our lives. I want to share with you this morning two reasons and the first reason is that Christ himself laid down his life. He descended from heaven. Gave up his omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient characteristics. So all powerful, he gave that up. All knowing, he gave it up. And omnipresent, being everywhere at the same time, he gave that up to live in a human body. 
The scripture says he didn't count it beneath him or any loss to come down in the form of a man. He also chose to be born through a woman. The first Adam was created out of clay, mud. Could God do that again? Of course he can do it again. But he chose not to. He chose to be born through a woman. So the whole patriarchal argument is getting a blood nose right there. He chose to be nursed by a woman. And at the end of his life, when hanging on a cross, he looked at his mother and he looked at his favorite disciple, John, and he said, Woman, which is a sense of uh, endearment, mommy, look at John. Behold your son. And he says to his friend, my friend, look at your mother. Please look after my mother. So there's no toxic masculinity in Jesus. There's no this patriarchal system that victimized women in the Bible that have been teaching the theological university students that the patriarchal system of the Old Testament suppressed woman. It is never the case. It's a lie from the pits of hell. Women are created equal to man. Different in function. Okay? They are different in function. Equal in value. So when you see masculinity making women weak, it's because that man is weak, not because masculinity is weak. Masculinity protects, provides, and gives direction and identity. That's what a real man does. He doesn't push his wife down. He lifts her up. Solomon writes, the crown of a man is the glory of his wife. I want you to get that. The crown of a man is the glory of his wife. If you want to know if a man is a good man, look if his wife is shining. And I'll tell you what man it is. Bring me your wife. Let me see what man you are. I'll tell you what's going on in your heart. Rich men, successful men, don't have fluses for wives. Have you seen that? They always choose to themselves a beautiful wife, a trophy wife, because they understand it. Maybe they don't know how to verbalate it, but it reflects on him. It reflects on him. So you look after your wife and you lift her up. Okay, Wilco? Okay, lift your wife up. Yeah? Don't get mad at her for nothing. Lift her up. Build her up. Wash her with the word. Hebrews 4, verse 4. Chapter 4 says, you wash her with the word. Speak life over her. So you are a good mother. You are a good wife. You are a good lover. You are a good business person. You are a good accountant. You are a good employee. You are an excellent cook, my wife. You lift her up with your word. You wash her. You are redeemed of God. You are redeemed of God. You are anointed. You see, Jesus didn't... That was for free. That was a sidetrack. Christ denied himself. He took the form of a servant. He was born in a stable. Didn't count that beneath him. How many of you born in a stable here? 
Oh, Emma. <laughs> no, she's just playing with her. I'm joking with you. Don't look. <laughs> she went like that with her hair. <laughs> was born in a stable. No, we're born in hospitals. Who would like to be born in a stable? It sounds like beneath us. It's, too, you know, it's like unhygienic and all of that. King of kings, born in a stable. He denied himself. He exercised himself by fasting. So he disciplined himself through fasting. Who has fasted before? Okay, who's fasted for five days? Five days. Who's fasted for 10 days before? Who fasted for 15 days? Just, just, let's say just water and no food. All right. Jesus did that. No water, no food for 40 days. Okay. You see, he knows the pangs, the hunger pains that we get. He knows that. He knows that denying yourself is a difficult thing. He fasted himself. He took up his cross. Jesus didn't put the cross beneath him. He could have. Remember? He said, I can ask my father now, and he'll send a legion of angels. 186,000, what, what legion of angels. 144,000 angels. One angel, remember the Syrian army? 186,000 people, one angel, one night. Sorted. He says, I can command a legion of angels to come now and defend me. But I'll go to the cross. I'll lay myself down. Reason number one why we need to lay ourselves down. Number two is that if we don't lay ourselves down and we don't lose, then we will not gain. We have to lose. You have to become a loser. So we're going to look at four things, areas that we have to lay ourselves down or lose is our worldly self, our estate, our possessions. Matthew 16, 1927, thank you, 1927. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Lo, we have left all, everything we have, and we followed thee. What then shall we have? You remember they left their businesses behind? Now, I'm not saying those businesses closed down. Maybe they had a relative take over and could have funded them in the ministry. You know. But they left it behind. They left their wives. They left their kids and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. See, the worldly opposition. The next thing is the relative self, their relationships. Luke 14, 26. It connects on to this one. They left their relationships behind. If any man cometh unto me and hath not his own father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yes, he's even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You see, if my child and my wife, my brother, my sister, my father is more important to me than Jesus, I will always sacrifice Jesus on the altar of that relationship. Always. Let me give you an example. Sunday is my daughter's birthday. We're not coming to church. You've just put Jesus on the altar of that relationship. Rather than saying, we're going to church because it is your birthday. 
né? Are you following? No, no, no. Here's my favorite one. We have people come down from from Natal to Natal. We're gonna they come on holiday. They're coming from Joburg, Gauteng. We can't come to church. We've got people down. You've just placed those people above your relationship with Christ, rather than saying, "We're going to church this morning. You're coming with." You're welcome. If not, make yourself at home. We'll be back after church. See, if Christ is not my number one priority relationally, I will sacrifice Him on the altar of that relationship every time. So now I get a fiance and I move in together with her. We're not married. I'm sacrificing Christ on the, on the altar of that relationship. Rather than saying, no, no, he'll stay there, I'll stay there, we'll get married and we'll do it right because Jesus is my highest priority. Young man, I want to tell you something. Maybe not all the young men, but some of the older men at work. Every woman in the whole world desires a godly man. She might not know it, but that's what she desires. She desires somebody that will love her sacrificially. That's every woman in the whole world desires a man that will love her sacrificially. And that is a Christian man. Because love your wife even as Christ loved church by laying down his life for her. There's no woman, I don't care who she is, will say, no, I don't want a husband that will not love me sacrificially. Meaning, put his own temper on the side. His own desires on the side and love her. You bring me that woman. This doesn't exist. Okay. The natural self. You must be willing to become a sacrifice. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto death. They loved not their life even unto death. There's a place of overcoming. That we need to enter into. The Bible says, and word more, the Bible says, to him who overcomes will be given eternal life. Each one of us has got an Achilles heel that we need to overcome. Each one of us. It might be a cigarette, it might be a temper, it might be wandering eyes, it might be a bottle of brandy, but you need to overcome it. To overcomers will be given. So how do they overcome? Number one, because of the blood of the Lamb. So the blood of the Lamb washes me clean. Amen. If I appropriate it, if I don't get into the bath, I ain't getting clean. Hello? And if I get out the bath and I jump back in the mud, I'm dirty. Then I ain't clean. Clean things go somewhere and dirty things go somewhere else. Okay, so the blood of the Lamb washed me because of the word of their testimony. Don't be shy telling your testimony to people. Don't water your testimony down because what people might think. Tell them your testimony. Tell them, you know what, I was a druggie. Tell them I was a womanizer. Tell them how drunk you got. But then tell them what Jesus did. 
Then you tell them what the Jesus, our Jesus did, what the blood of the Lamb did, and you give Him the honor and the glory, and you make Him bigger and more important than where you came from. Because He's most more important. He broke that. Man, that's the testimony. By the blood, or, or by the word of their testimony, and they love not their life even unto death. Here's what happens. How many times do I find people in a certain way, but when they come to a bride, their language changes. Now they're suddenly no longer talking hallelujah, praise the yearning. How many times do I find that? They have just kept on preserving themselves. They're not laying down their natural self because the natural self doesn't want to die. The natural self doesn't want to be killed. No one here says, I mean, I don't even know if I'll be able to stand in that place. And I don't see us all lining up at pick and pay, paying people 20 bucks to insult us. They're not saying anything back to deny ourselves because we want to preserve ourselves. So when we come into conversation, we come in social settings, and you know what social settings I'm talking about. You know if you drop the name of Jesus in that conversation, the conversation's over. All right? You have just sacrificed Jesus on that altar. That's what's happened. You and I would, So to drop it. To, you see, love their Because that... You die there. Oh, you're one of those nutty ones, eh? Jesus freak. Religious. Well, Jesus wasn't religious, and I am not religious, and I hope you are not religious. We're relational. We've got relationship with Christ. And we need to ought to love Him first, and then our neighbors. And if we love our neighbors more than we love Him, we must representing Him. It's, it's, a, it's a hard word. But he says, this is how it works. Not loving yourself to that place. <clears throat> then the carnal self. So we've had three so far. The worldly self, meaning my possessions. The second is relative self. My relationships I need to sacrifice or lose for Christ's sake. My natural self, my wanting to keep on surviving and maintain and live and have an image out there that people might like. I need to lay that down. And now the carnal self. The carnal self is the one that we really struggle with. This is where I find myself failing the test. And the carnal self. It, it must Deny self-ease. 2 Timothy 2.3 Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. What does it mean? Well, church, just, just church. In the modern society, if it's not a nice atmosphere, I don't go to church. If the carpet's not nice, the best lighting... The best sound, 
comfortable chairs. Don't get it, you ladies. We, we, we really want to buy comfortable chairs. We do, we do, we do, you know. Okay, so if you all would just um, help us to afford that 70,000 rand for new comfortable chairs with pillows and others. <laughs> People don't come to church. They stay away. And then I think about the people of Afghanistan that go to church in a cave, there's no light. In Africa, true born-again Christians sitting underneath a tree on a rock in the middle of summer. No aircon, no fan. They go there for the Lord. You see, the self is, suffer hardship with me. You see, somewhere in our walk with Christ, we need to understand it's not for sissies. Being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, not a fan of Jesus. There are many fans of Jesus. Yay, Jesus. You go, Jesus. Woo! Followers of Jesus. There's hardships that follow with that. If I can't even come to church and endure an uncomfortable chair, how, how in the world Will I be able to stand for something more? When I was in Chile, a little, there's a little church that, and I want you to understand the, 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 the politics around this. It's very, very important. The whole mountain belongs to the Indian chief, which is called the Ilonko. Okay? Very much like some of our cultures in South Africa. And the Ilonko decides who stays where. And who can have what property? So he gives you a piece of property, you stay there. You have a property, you stay there. If you guys negotiate, you want to swap, you go to the Lonko and say, listen, I want to go there and she wants to go there. Can we do it? And the Lonko would say yes. If the Lonko doesn't like you anymore, he says, go off my property. It's like a 99-year lease. On the whim of a man. Got to give him credit. He's normally a very stable, wise guy that understands humans need place to stay. So, and they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They got their temple. You're not allowed to go to the temple. And all it is is all these trees, broken down trees, almost like a old voortrekker kraal, you know. That'll be their holy ground where they do their sacrifices and their And some of the people got saved and they asked him, can we have property? Yes. And we want to build a church. Can't build that church without the approval of the Ilonko. And the Ilonko says you can build a church and the cement in that church is not floated like ours outside. It's rough and tough with the you know what I'm talking about, the stones sticking out. They're like concrete. So we go there this Sunday morning. It's very interesting. I'll testify. I woke up with an Afrikaans song in my head. I never wake up with an Afrikaans song in my head. Okay, I just don't do that. But I woke up with an Afrikaans song in my head, a gospel song. And I'm singing this song. Who's, got, who's had that before? Like a brain worm, you wake up. And I'm singing this song, walking up to the little church. And they're singing in Spanish on the same Rhythm, hymn, the same notes and the same tune they singing in Spanish. And I'm like, yes, like, Lord, you are, yeah. And they, they have church for long, four-hour services. And hardship. 
hardship. Church goes too long, people get upset. They don't come to do. If I go too long, next week they've got less people in church. No, no, because they say it's a hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> and the pastor calls forward anyone that will pray for the youth because their youth in the mountains are committing suicide. They're jumping off the cliffs because they've got no future. There's no hope for them because their world is so small. They're caught up in this little Indian, plus they're practicing stuff that's from the dark. They also worship forefathers. And this lady, probably 80, between 80 and 90 years old, well, at least it looks like that, you know, because they live in harsh conditions, gravel road. She goes on her knees and she, she prays in front of the church. And, and the pastor says, well, you go on your knees and, and you go on your knees and those stones stick into my, and, I, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to scop them this style. Man. So go on my haunches. So I'm, I'm sitting on my haunches like this. And, and after about five minutes, the Lord says to me, look at that old lady on her knees. Look around everybody else on her knees and you're not willing to suffer for me. You want it comfortable. Broken right there on my knees. I don't know, and I'm crying to the Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for my comfort. Forgive me for my, I want it as easy. If I can't take a stone in my knee, how will I ever take the resentment of people? The condemnation, how can you, can never. You see, the carnal self needs to lay down the comfortable me. So easily, we want to put on the armor of the Lord. You see, I want you to see, suffer hardship for me as a good soldier of Christ. If you put on the armor of God and you want the protection of the armor of God, you need to understand that you are a soldier. You're enrolled in an army and you will face a battle. You're in a war. When I was trained in the army, we went to Valmans Dal and we had to sleep a month in the felt. It's called felt phase. Who's done felt phase? A couple of hands. You have, to, you have to dig yourself a drench into a rock. Because that's all that's in Valmont's Dull is rock. It's not ground, it's rock. You have to dig yourself a 2 meter by 1.8 by 600 drench. Where you sleep in. In the middle of winter. And the cold air goes down in there. And that weapon must be with you in the slop suck. Because if they get the weapon while you're sleeping in training... Tomorrow you'll have an opi. Who knows what an opi is? Okay, who doesn't know what an opi is? Come Sunday afternoon, I'll give you one. Okay. <laughs> you'll know what an opi is. That's when you run until you vomit. They drill you to the ground. So you've got to suffer. You're in that thing. And this cold air goes in there. And you, it's so cold. It's freezing. See, when we enroll in God's army, we can't have it comfortable. We have to lay down that comfort side and say, Lord, I will pay the price. I'll pay the price. There are certain things that we need to lay down. 
The next thing is the self-opinion, and I'm going to link that at the end with self-reasoning. I want to jump to self-confidence. Now, we, we, we promote self-confidence. I want you to have some self-confidence. I want you to have some self-esteem and self-worthiness. But too much self-confidence can get you in a very, very big predicament. If you go to Matthew 26, 33, and Peter answered and said unto him, If everybody else will deny you, offend thee, I will never deny you. This is an old translation. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto you, This night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. You see, Peter was confident that he can handle the persecution coming. Peter was walking in his own arrogant confidence. I've got this, mate. I can do this. I can, I can, I'm going to handle this. Yet the slave girl, a slave girl said, Young girl, Emma, um, Emily, their size. Aren't you one of his disciples? A slave girl's got no voice. And he succumbs. So much so that he changes his language. He, I want you to understand the Hebrew language doesn't have curse words in it. You have to pronounce a curse. Almost like Romeo and Juliet. I place a curse on both your houses. You know, you want to pronounce a curse. May you rot from your toes up. You know. His language changed from the way which Jesus taught him for three years. And that is speak life into people. To start cursing as I don't. May I my toes rot know that man. A little slave because he was overconfident. So I want you to understand that as, as a, I can't do anything for you. I can't do anything for you. But Jesus can. Amen. I can't deliver you. I can't heal you. I can't get you saved. But Jesus can. Amen. You see, when I've got so much self-confidence, there's no more place for God confidence. I must place my confidence in Him. Rely on Him. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have to take some confidence. God has made you and designed you with your gifts and talents so that you can say, but this is who God made me. Okay? I can flow in this. I can do this. I... With my God, I can storm a troop. So I'm not saying, oh, grovel, grovel, grovel. Woe is me. I'm going to eat some worms. Whoever's saying that song in school? Huh? Who sang that song in school? I'm going to eat some worms, worms. Big, fat, juicy one. Small and skinny one. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. Don't let me start on Yogi Bear. Okay, don't let me start on Yogi Bear. I know a bear that you don't know, Yogi, Yogi. I know a bear that you don't know, Yogi, Yogi Bear. Yogi, Yogi Bear, Yogi, Yogi Bear. <laughs> I know a bear that you don't know, Yogi, Yogi Bear. Yogi does it on the fridge, Polo. Polo. <laughs> polo Bear. <laughs> don't let me get started on Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> See, when we have God confidence, 
we give space for God to work through us. We have to lay down that self-confidence. We can akin that to arrogance. Self-wisdom. You've got to deny our own wisdom. 2 Corinthians first 12. For our glory is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and sincerity of God, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have behaved ourselves in the world and more abundantly toward you. You see, there's a wisdom in this world right now that is demonic. It is evil. How can I identify that? If you go to the next verse for me, please. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's without manipulation. It's without the intent to get from you. Okay? Then peaceable. That wisdom will bring peace. Be led by peace. The, the kingdom of God is love, joy, peace, and righteousness. There will be a peace that accompanies you. Gentle. It's not forceful. Not like the LGBTQ. Love, love, love. Ne? It's my right. Gender and sex is two different things. No, your sex determines your gender. Okay? There's a demonic wisdom pushing an agenda. easy to be entreated. It's easy to drink of the, God, the wisdom of God. It's very easy to drink of. It's not, it doesn't need to be forced down my throat. Full of mercy and good fruit without variance, without hypocrisy. See, that self-wisdom, my wisdom, my experience in life, and I've got this and I found out that and I discovered this, Watch out. That self, we need to lay that down. That self-wisdom. I am not the wisest man in the world. So I married my wife. Because she's wise. Okay? Um, but through being in God's service and, and getting to know the Lord, godly wisdom increases. Because your earthly wisdom will tell you we all have coping mechanisms. Who's heard the phrase coping mechanism? Coping mechanism is a bad thing. Did you know that? Because a coping mechanism is a tool by which you cope. You survive and not thrive. God wants you to thrive. He doesn't want you to cope. Are you following? Can you see the difference between a demonic earthly wisdom and a godly wisdom? God says... I don't want you to have coping mechanisms. I want you to solve the issue so that you can thrive. The earth says, develop coping mechanisms so that you can cope. Some of us default coping mechanisms. I remember stuff that the Lord had to work on really hard to get out of me. Is my tendency to run to joint and alcohol as a coping mechanism. It was like a default. Whenever the tire met the tar, I would run there. I would run to that place. 
born again, saved, I would run to that place. And one day the Lord said to me, after my armed robbery, and I'm going through this, He said to me, I want to change your defaults. I want to be the place you run to. He's a strong tower. Those who run to him are safe. Amen. You see, when the world presses in, and when the self-confidence comes, and the hurt comes, it doesn't matter where or when or how, or long has walked with you, you've walked with it, or impaled and, 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 and into your heart, or you run to him, and you will be safe. Glory, glory. Don't run to your coping mechanism. <coughs> After my armed robbery, where did I find myself within two weeks? In the pub. Give me a packet of Peter Stavis, an extra mile, please. Double spice gold and lemonade. And I already organized the joint. Six months later, the Lord resetted. And I've never touched it again. Isn't he good? As you run to him and be safe. Earthly wisdom will lead you away from God and not to God. Self-will, 2 Peter 2.10, we have to lie down self. But clearly then, that walk after the flesh in the lust of defilement and despise dominion, daring, self-willed, they tremble not at dignities. So what this verse is saying is that Jesus denied himself. The devil doesn't deny himself. He says, I will. I will do what I want to do. I will ascend. I will be like the most high. I will. Okay. So this year, he says, but chiefly then walk after the flesh in the lust of defilement. The flesh and defilement talks about how do you defile the flesh sex e ungodly sex defiles the flesh this is why sexual sin are superior to other sins because other sins you sin against god sexual sins you sin against god and your own flesh all right despising dominion or authority despising authority, don't like authority. I don't like that pastor, he is too rigid. When I just arrived here, there was an outside ministry connected to this church. And they wanted me to meet this gentleman, and I was like, I'm all to meet this gentleman, 100%. And we had a date, I was going to meet this person. But also, in the same time, we are called to make disciples. That's why we have Wednesday nights. And all the people that were in the ministry team, even the people <coughs> greeting the people at the door, or they are asked to, within the next year, start with the discipleship training. So by the time this has come to, there was three months left of the first year, I, uh, I called the people involved and I said, I want you to understand that there are three months left and there's one course that starts now. Otherwise, I'm going to ask you to stand down. If you're playing the piano, you're going to not play the piano until you've done the course. 
Okay? If you are serving coffee at the back, I'm going to ask you not to serve coffee anymore until you've done the course. Because we are called to make disciples. I've given you a year time so that we can, that's lenient. One of the representatives went to speak to this person on the outside and said, well, I cannot work with a dogmatic pastor like you. He never met me. Never met me. He would, what does it tell you? You want to minister in this congregation? You want to have access to God's flock, but you cannot submit to the authority God placed in, put in position. You have a problem of despise authority. Despising authority. And then you're going to run to the next church, and you're going to run to the next church, and somewhere you're going to find a place where you run into authority that you don't like. And normally it takes about three months. And you see, but I don't like that about that person. Well, what must I do? Must I please you? Must I please God? You see, this is the thing with authority. Authority, from godly authority, they want, it wants to please God and serve man. Not the other way around. Not serve God and please man, because you can't please all the people. You'll never be able to do that. So I can aim at pleasing God and serving man. I'll serve you what the Lord gives us. I'll take from the Word and say, look at what the Word says. I can do this. I hope I do a good job, Lord. They tremble not at dignities, people with authority. They tremble not at it. They don't worry about it. So they speak bad about the teachers. They speak bad about the traffic officer. They speak bad about... I find myself failing yeah. sometimes. I hope I'm... I know I'm not alone. Yeah. Where we fail in this. You know, the lady there and there. <laughs> we should roll over, eh? So, the self-willed, 2 Peter 1.10, with the self-reasoning, Abraham in Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed to go out unto a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and went, went out not knowing where he is going. Okay, so I want you to do the following. Get in your car and drive. The Lord will tell you where to go. What's the first thing that comes up in your mind? Well, that's stupid. Where am I going? Which way must I go? No, get in your car and drive. The Lord will tell you where to go. Second thing is, well, how far am I going to drive? It costs money. It's got fuel. Where am I going? No, no, stop trying to reason and understand and get in your car and drive. The Lord will show you where to go. That's what Abraham did. God told him, get up and walk. Where am I going? Lord, walk, I'll show you. Walk, I will show you. Abraham was like, well, where am I going? Lord's like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to go east. And I'm going to follow the sun. <laughs> Good. And then the, while he's walking, because God directs our steps. Not our sitting down, not our lying down, not our thinking, our pondering, our meditating, or our dreaming, but our steps. But what can I do? What must I do, Lord? What's my calling, Lord? Well, start doing something. Anything. Maybe, maybe the inspiration hits you. I am going to sweep that cement surface. 
every Sunday morning. I'm going to get myself geared. I'm going to get my big fat broom. I'm going to get a bucket. I'm going to get a squeegee, a raincoat, rain, sun, wind. I am going to sweep that thing. At least you're taking a step. God can direct it now. What must I do, Lord? What's my calling? Well, just put a sign on your office door. Praying from one till quarter past one every day. All welcome. Just do that. See what happens. See what God does. The next verse, please. You see, this is what happens. The self-reasoning. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to just blindly do something. Okay? But sometimes we just have to leave that reasoning, die to that reasoning. Okay? Choosing rather to share ill treatment with people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for this reason. You see, sometimes we need, and I want to change that word sin, just take that word sin out, because not maybe always in sin. I'm not editing the word of God. I'm just saying not always it's sin, but choosing pleasures of this life for a season rather than suffering with the children of God. Go to your bride and start speaking about Jesus. Just go there. Just start saying, listen, just start testifying what the Lord has done for you. What the Lord, what you've read this week in the Bible. It doesn't have to be revelation. It doesn't have to be big and good and oh, just go. See how you know what people do? No. They, they would wouldn't want to be ill-treated. They would rather go with the pleasure. They would rather, when there are strange people, not pray for the food. Not pray for the food. Where they always pray for food. Now they would rather not pray for the food. Because the minute they pray for the food, they're going to be ill-treated. They're going to be scoffed at. Looked at. They're going to be so worried about what people think and say. So that self... What's the word that I've got written down here? Self-reasoning. We have to lay down. So two reasons why we want to be losers, lose our lives so we can gain it in Christ. Number one is because Jesus lost his life. He laid his life down. And number two, when we lay our life, when we become losers, we will gain. There is a reward for you and I. I can't tell you what the reward is on this earth. I can tell you what the eternal reward is, but I can't tell you what the reward is on this earth. And we get confronted with that. Please, will you stand? I want to bless you this morning as we go out. All right, you'll be in the receiving mode and I can bless you. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence. And I want to come and bless your children. Lord, with the knowledge that you are close to them that you are with them, that you are real. And I want to bless them with the strength, Lord, to lay down their lives so that they can gain it in you. Lord, and thank you for your Zoe life, the God life, the God kind of life that you impart into our hearts. And Jesus, 
mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's go have some coffee. Bless you guys.